So Max Payne or The Punisher? Oh, hang on. Does it matter that I've never seen The Punisher in any of its iterations? You haven't? No. Well, the movie is hilarious. Thomas Jane. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah. Also, that's a really weird choice, I feel, for a superhero, but whatever. And then the Marvel series, but you are so slow and working your way through the... I know, I'm still Marvel on the TV shows. first season of Luke Cage. <laughs> I'm just going to choose The Punisher because Max Payne was terrible. <laughs> well, The Punisher is just a better version of Max Payne. Or maybe Max Payne is a worse version of The Punisher. I don't know who came first. The chicken or the Max Payne? The devil is building his army. No! Max Payne is looking for something that God wants to stay hidden. That's what makes him dangerous. Hi, I'm Rose. I'm Hannah. And this is More is More, the bad movie podcast. Where today we're talking about Max Payne, starring Mark Wahlberg and Mila Kunis. I was expecting them also, to make... Also, ludicrous. Oh, I know. What? I mean, like, what? I was expecting them to make more pain jokes, like more pain puns. Mm, no, they didn't want to be that kind of movie. They wanted to be serious. They were trying to be the next Sin City. And it did not work. No, it didn't at all. But we do start with a sweet, sweet voiceover. I don't believe in heaven. I believe in pain. I believe in fear. I believe in death. We start with Max Payne trying not to drown in an icy river. Cut with flashbacks to, like, finding his wife dead and stuff like that. How terrible, like, on a scale of 1 to 10 were these flashbacks to his wife? They were terrible. Oh, hang on. Sorry. No, that wasn't it. The question. Um, eight. They were an eight. Yeah, they were pretty bad. Yeah. They were so boring and they kept showing them. Yeah. Also, why was there no blood ever on his wife? It was I like, know. how did she die? Was she... <laughs> like smothered I think she was strangled but I they were like oh her her horrific death it was terrible for him and you walk he walks in the room and you expect like blood everywhere stab the the deaths weren't explicit but they were like the aftermath there was always lots of pieces covered with with sheets and then his wife is just like lying there looking like she passed out on the bed and I'm like what is going on this doesn't look traumatic Then we go to one week earlier. Um, Which was the only graphic, really, that was integrated in like that. It was. It was the only graphic. The only thing that was similar to it was in some of the fight scenes at the end when they started having the red flashes Mm -hmm. over the um, image so that it was comic book-y. I was just expecting more graphics like that. Well, yeah, which is weird because you wouldn't expect that feels more like a comic book, not a video game. But, I mean, again, they were really trying to be Sin City. (laughs) So, he's a cold case detective, and the police station treats him like he's this very, like, oh, scary guy, stay away from that guy. You yeah. know, no, no, nothing happened to him. He doesn't have a story. His story is that his wife and his kids were killed, okay? That was so funny. Remember when you were a kid, and you'd hold your breath when you run past the graveyard? Just uh, leave that man alone. I don't even know how that made sense. So many of the lines in this movie didn't track. Yeah. They would say things and you were like, wait, I can tell that you thought that sounded cool, but like they don't match up. They don't mean anything together. Right, because the reason you're supposed to hold your breath when you go by a graveyard is so you don't breathe in souls and get possessed. Yeah. Like, 
are we supposed to hold our breath near Max Payne because we might breathe in his soul and get possessed by the need for vengeance? Well, that's the sequel, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so he's sitting at a table at one point, and he's sitting there, like, flashing back to his dead wife while he's loading his gun. And I was like, is this every terrible man's dream? (laughs) Like, to be this... This cool and this bad, like, sitting there thinking about your dead wife while you're loading a gun. Like, this isn't... But everything for me was completely undone by the fact that he was wearing a turtleneck. He wore a turtleneck for this entire movie. Yeah. That was very upsetting. Yeah, at one point, someone was like, oh, I didn't recognize you. And I was like, yeah, I didn't wear as many turtlenecks back then. (laughs) (laughs) Probably because he had his wife to shop for him. That's true. I know. So, he's walking through an abandoned train station. Abandoned? It was hard. It was a subway station. It just wasn't busy. Okay. It was straight up like, I don't think that there's ever no one there except for you and three junkies. (laughs) Yeah. The most obvious junkies you've ever seen in your life. They're like dripping sweat and they've got all like little ticks and shakes and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. So they try to rob him in the bathroom. Yo, homie, that's a really nice watch. Kind of reminds me of one I lost. Well, you didn't lose it. Pawned it up on 128 a few hours ago. You're counting on him seeing and recognizing the watch and then trying to rob it from you? Like, this was your grand plan for how to get these people to notice you? Also, the line like, oh, that looks like a watch that I lost. That is never true. Like, it's not a line that's meant to be true. Yeah. And I get, they were just trying to introduce, like, some type of Jason Bourne element into his character. Well, yeah, because then he was like, no, I wasn't following you. I was following him. Following Doug. Yeah. The lamest of them all. (laughs) The most junkie of them all. Right. So he beats everybody up and kills one guy. The other guy runs away down the train tracks. And doug starts spouting some some gibberish about wings did you ever hear anyone say anything about this bill died bill died because their wings couldn't lift up no we got shot robbing a liquor store what are you talking about your wings are cool actually and he's got this wing tattoo on his hand and arm and we see the third guy as he's running away and he's having these like winged hallucinations and shadows and then he gets hit by a train yep so okay (laughs) So I guess it wasn't an abandoned subway station. Yeah. The train was on its way. (laughs) Clearly. Yeah. It might might have been slowed down now that it's hit a junkie on the tracks. Um, Well, it's going to cause some serious delays. Oh, right. By the way, in case we couldn't tell they were junkies, they have them drop two vials of blue stuff. If they're such junkies, why is there drug left in the vial? Yeah. Well, I also don't understand why the drug looks like blue Kool-Aid. Like... This was, I don't know, this was an odd, oddly vibrant color. I know. It's the stuff from ad commercials. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so Max Payne deals with those guys. And then he time travels to a 70s club. <laughs> this guy opens the door wearing this, like, mustard yellow <laughs> shirt with big uh, wings uh, over, like, a brown coat, like, under a brown coat. It's ridiculous. And if you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, he's Charlie's uncle. He always plays the same, like, creepy weirdo guy. The guy's like, oh, you can't come in here. Come on, come on, come on. And he's like, oh, I'm out of ideas. Gotta get, gotta get, g- give me another name. 
because that guy. I know, like Max Payne, you are the worst detective. It's just like, well, that lead fell through. Who else do you got? I'm like, isn't this your job? Also, shouldn't you have gotten all the names at once? Yeah, that too. To see who was a better lead? Mm. Why would you just go one at a time? <laughs> and he's like, I'm having a dinner party. Um, you can't come in here. And he's like, I don't have any more names. I, I, I'm out of ideas. Like, you're looking for a ghost. This happened three years ago. Whoever, people don't last long on the streets. Whoever did this is not around anymore. So Max busts his way into this club. And it's not a dinner party, obviously. But there's like one guy with a shirt off for some reason in the back that I noticed. He's like right. super built. I just imagine the extra coming in and be like, oh, can I just like not wear a shirt? Yeah. Or he walked in and they were like, take your shirt off. You're being shirtless in this scene. Yeah. So he's kind of roughing him up a little bit. And then this Russian girl walks over. And I there were times when I could not understand this girl because her accent was so heavy. Her name was Natasha. Natasha. Just in case we were wondering if she was Russian. Exactly. And um, she was wearing something that looked like a red slip. Yeah, it did not look... It, those were not outside clothes. Yeah. So she starts chatting him up, and then we see Mila Kunis walk in with, like, a entourage of guys in leather, and she's got dark, smoky eyes, and she's very cool. Was she? I felt like this coat and hairstyle made her look unflatteringly butch. I mean, as unflatteringly butch as Mila Kunis can look. It did make her face look really square. Yeah. But I think they were going for powerful. Yeah. Not. They missed the mark bit on that pretty. one. Yeah. Later on, she looks better. Yeah, exactly. So Mila and the other girl, Mila walks over and they've got an exchange in Russian because every movie that casts her has to use the fact that she's Ukrainian. They're sisters. And the other girl is like, I'm clean now. I'm, I'm not hanging out with my old friends anymore. How, he's a cop. How much trouble could I get into? And Mila's kind of pushing her a little bit, like being a little rough with her. And all of a sudden, Max Payne has a problem with those tactics. He's like, hey, uh, calm down. Have a drink. And it's like, what? Nobody else can muscle in on your territory? You're the only one who gets to rough people around? <laughs> Well, also, like, he doesn't know Natasha. Why does he care? I have no, no idea. It's not a man coming in and beating her up. Right, because just... he doesn't seem to care about anything, but, like, all of a sudden it's an issue. Also, I didn't understand. So you get the impression that she's supposed to be really powerful and in charge of a lot of people. And I'm like, you can't keep a track of your sister. You can't make your sister not see her friends. Like, you are, a Ru- like, a powerful Russian. Like, you should have a lot more control over the situation than this. We also never find out what she does no. at all. It's just like, oh, she's powerful and she carries this ridiculously large gun everywhere. Yeah, and she has underworld connections. Yeah. So Max is talking to Natasha for a minute and then he turns around and she's gone. So he goes to look for her and finds he's peering into this room where a bunch of people are drinking vials of this drug, including her. Also, some light lesbian making out. Because, oh, yes. Yeah. You know. Well, that's what drugs do to you. Yeah. Here's my thing it's supposed to be a super powerful drug. Mm-hmm. I cannot think of one drug that is drinkable. Yeah. Because, you, do you know why? It's really inefficient. Because anything that is that watered down, you're just diluting the product. That's why you smoke it or you heat it up or you inject it or something. Like, if it's that powerful and the person who makes it presumably wants it to be that powerful, and to have their shipments be lighter and smaller, they're not going to put it in that. Yeah. So that was ridiculous. But they did also want this to be PG-13. Oh, so people couldn't be injecting stuff. Yeah. Can't be injecting, can't be smoking stuff. Yeah. 
Although what was funny is in the, for the DVD that I watched, it was like Max Payne unrated. Yeah, I'm like they, I didn't see anything in this movie that couldn't have been in a PG-13 movie. Like I'm really? sure. I feel like it's that thing where what they did was they added in a, a scene back in, but like it had technically never been rated, so oh, now it can be yeah. unrated. Yeah, I mean, you know, when it was PG-13 and I was like, man, that just seems like they were really worried about people not seeing this, which is what happened. So I wonder if they were trying to recover some of that by having an unrated version. Yeah, maybe. Anyway, who do we see glowering, standing shirtless behind Max Payne while he's peering in on all this lesbian making out? Our old friend from Transformers. Yes. And from Prison Break. Sucre! Um, I don't remember his name in Transformers. Yeah, I don't either. He was unimportant and like, got killed and nobody talked he was about the, it. <laughs> he was the Spanish Cajun. Exactly, yes. <laughs> Lupino in this one. Yes. He's seriously glowering but saying zero words. And when Max turns around and sees him, <laughs> he does nothing. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's only menacing if you do something afterwards. Otherwise, yeah. people just think you're nuts. <laughs> It also didn't say to me, like, oh, this is the main evil guy. It said to me, this is the evil guy's henchman. That's what I thought. I would never have been like, oh, main villain right there. Yeah. But kind of. Not the main one, but a side villain, for sure. So I'm like, how are you not stopping this random guy from looking on all the illegal drug activity that's going on in your back room? Well, I guess he didn't care. And then, like, later on, there's, like, a fearlessness aspect to I his story. Yes, but he was legitimately a cop. He was, like, actually a cop. Not just, like, he could have been. He was. Well, he said later that he felt invincible, and that was, like, years ago. So I think he just didn't, wasn't worried about it. I, I mean, think he just be. didn't care. I just feel like invincible means I'm just going to go ahead and kill you, because I don't care. Mm. Yeah, he was keeping a close eye on things, though, weirdly. <laughs> um... He doesn't have a busy schedule. Well, he does. They're packed with rooftop surveillances <laughs> of, like, just randos. Whatever Max Payne is doing. Or Natasha. Or yeah. anybody that we see. It's, yeah. Oh, and one of the girls in the room, she starts to see those winged shadows. Yep. Having those hallucinations. Oh, no. So Natasha comes up and kind of pulls him away from Lupino and is like, take me somewhere and I'll tell you what I was doing. <laughs> like, we know what you were doing. You were doing drugs. Yeah. So he and I'm takes, like, I don't know why she cared. I don't know why she attached herself so strongly to Max Payne. I don't either. Who was, gave her no encouragement. No. And honestly, was probably not the best looking guy in the room. I guarantee you he wasn't. Mark Wahlberg is not an attractive man. So he takes her home and she instantly pulls off her slip. Yeah. Just walking in the hall. She's like, then she goes and like lays down in his bed. And it was so great. PG-13. Yes. She instantly drapes a sheet over just her chest. Yep. It was amazing. And I was like, that girl missed Seduction 101. <laughs> yeah. So she says a bunch of stuff that's guaranteed getting mad about like, oh, fine. Who 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 was this woman who like is the, re the sad story you want to tell me right now? Blah, blah, blah. Call right. Because he's not like instantly leaping on her. So. Yeah. Which is pretty weird that she's like, someone's not having sex with me immediately. Must be a be an issue with them. Yeah, I'm like, give him a few minutes. Like, maybe he'll be interested later. Like, maybe he just wants to ask the questions first. Well, he wasn't. No. She made him mad. So, <laughs> kicked her out without pressing her for information at all. Yes. So, good job, because you said you were out of leads, and then you got some interesting follow-up and nothing. Yep. Great. 
And we do see Lupino on the roof. We do. He's watching. He's the keeping an eye on stuff. The first of many rooftop sojourns. Yep. He's watching her walk down the alley and she's calling her dealer for more stuff. Owen Green. Then there's all this flapping. And this is the first time that we see these shadows as like shadow monsters that have wings and these yeah. like blue eyes. And she's like, no, not yet. Not yet. And she didn't seem like a junkie the way the other people seemed like junkie. Like, she wasn't, like, shaking and twitching and stuff. Yeah, partly because that wouldn't have been hot. Yeah. he wouldn't have taken her home. Right. Well, he probably would have because what he really just wanted was the information. Yeah. So, anyway, she's... (laughs) She's killed. And then we cut to a scene where, like, an espresso French press or something like that is whistling... I think the tea kettle behind it was supposed to be was. I didn't understand it. I was like, I don't know why Max Payne is living in a 1950s kitchen. I don't know why a man would choose the harder way to make coffee. Well, he makes coffee and then he never drinks it. And uh, guess what? That's the end of that scene. (laughs) It was there for no reason. Just so we know what he's doing. Max Payne is at home. Oh, make a coffee. (laughs) Um, So he goes into work the next day and Donald Logue, who you would recognize if you saw him uh is sitting in a cop car looking like a homeless man who stole it yeah i mean he looks bad don't they have regulations for police like haircuts and stuff yes unless you're undercover and he was not he was just a detective yeah he was he (laughs) was just a detective yeah and he's dressed like this and later on we see him sitting in his office and i was like how do you look more professional now in your office than you did when you were on the street investigating a murder yeah so, it's very clear from, like, interaction one that this is his ex-partner. Okay, so he tells uh, Max Payne to get in the car and takes him to Natasha's crime scene. And apparently he did this because they found Max Payne's wallet. She obviously stole it. So, he pulls it out of his pocket. He's like, did you know her? Pulls it out of his pocket. And I'm like, so they just let you take it off yeah. site with you? So, it's now contaminated. But right. It's fine. So they let his ex-partner take it to go get him and then let him be brought on to site? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Well, and also, the whole office knows that Max Payne is still trying to figure out the guy who killed his wife. Yeah. She's a junkie. They could easily test her blood to figure this out. So the fact that they have met and she stole his wallet are not surprising. Yeah. I, I don't think that the first thing that somebody thinks about cop, uh, like, the, the first thing that a cop thinks about another cop is not going to be, oh, he did it. Yeah. It's going to be, well, there's some explanation. Because yeah. honestly, even when it's pretty obvious, they still prefer to say, like, nothing happened here. Yeah, because for one thing, they know these people. Exactly. There's always the expectation of, like, no, he would never do that. I know this guy. Yeah, Exactly. They circled the wagons hard, but mm-hmm. not with Max Payne. <laughs> nope. He's weird and no one likes him. Let's and throw him under the bus. And nobody knows that better than Lupino, who's still watching from the roof. <laughs> yes. Thankfully, no one looks up. Yeah. So they drive away again, and now it's raining when they get to where they are. It Hardcore. was just snowing, and it's raining, pouring buckets. Yeah. And he's like, But it's because they're breaking up, so it's fine. Exactly. It's got it's to be raining. Yeah. It's so dumb. You don't want to talk to me. They're going to send somebody who doesn't know you 
and won't care about your side of the story. I didn't kill her, so I don't need a side. Like he hasn't been a cop for 20 years. Okay, right? I was like, you are acting like you don't know how crimes work or how the justice works. Yeah. The justice. Here's, <laughs> here's the problem. I almost said the Justice League. <laughs> and then my next thought to save it was the justice law. So none of that was going to work. Anyway. Ex-partner problems. He's like, oh, now you care about unsolved murders all of a sudden. Uh, you didn't find the guy who murdered my wife. You didn't care then. And he was like, how dare you? I tried. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, that guy's still out there. Which you could easily say the same thing to Max Payne since he's been trying to find this person and he also hasn't found her. Also, I have a hard time believing that the police force would assign Max Payne's partner to solve who murdered his wife. That yeah. would be a conflict of interest. They oh, would yeah. know each other's families. Yeah, they wouldn't at all. Um, but they also would immediately take him off a case where they found his wallet. So that too. This The police force has some problems. They go their separate ways and now it's snowing again. We see Mila Kunis and she does business inside wearing shades because she's that kind of businesswoman with foreigners. She gets news of Natasha's death and gets her phone log from her phone from a cop who she's paying off. And he also gives her the photocopy of Max Payne's license That's found right. on scene. Yep. Quick shot back to his ex-partner. He's examining photos of the old crime scene of his wife's murder. One of the guys who was killed he notices he has that same wing tattoo on his arm as Natasha. And he's like, oh, no, I have to call him. So he calls him and he's like, hey, I'm going to your apartment right now to tell you stuff and leaves a message. So nothing could go wrong ever. Why do people not leave information on messages? It's too important. I Especially because that would be a really simple one. They both have the same tattoo. That's all you would need to say. Max gets this call and he immediately runs home, gets his gun out, he <laughs> goes into the door and he's like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, something's definitely gone wrong. So he finds that Alex is dead and he gets beaten up cartoon Sin City style and wakes up in the ER. So this new guy, Bo Bridges, is sitting by his bed. His name is BB, which is weird. I know. Because unless you're BB King, that's a woman's name. <laughs> so it's very strange. Because his story is... Now, I at first thought this guy was a cop. Because he, and he, he is a retired cop. I know, but his inner workings of, like, he knows exactly what happened. He's got all the down low on what happened. And he's telling Max about it. Which oh, I about thought was what weird. just happened, you mean? Yeah. I guess it's his connections from when he used to be a cop, maybe told him. I think that's true, but I thought it was not well explained originally that he was not a cop still. Yeah. I just thought it was weird. Okay, so I thought it was weird that it took this guy this long to show up in the movie because mm -hmm. he's supposed to be like his friend and mentor and all of these things. He was his father's partner yeah. when they were cops together. But his role in the movie is kind of very mentory. And I'm it like, is. I can't believe that there wasn't at least a message saying, Max, I haven't talked to you in so long. I'm worried about you. Like, calm. Like, you know, the, just introduce it earlier. It, as soon as he showed up sitting by the bedside being like, I'm a retired cop, I was like, I don't trust you. Yeah, I know. And also, like... There's something wrong here. I don't like this. Seriously. It took too long for him to show up. Yeah, and it was a really abrupt introduction. Yeah. And it felt weird that, like, somebody non-official would be sitting there. Anyway. Um, Especially when we find out that he's the prime suspect in 
Alex's death. Is he, though? Or I don't think he's the prime suspect officially. I think people just think that maybe he did it. I guess. That's what BB says. Because he's the prime suspect. Yeah, because otherwise he'd be under arrest. Yeah, well, yeah. So this guy's like, oh, uh, dispatch sent, sent like, a unit over as soon as they found out where Alex had gone. Why? (laughs) You thought that he, you thought that he probably killed Natasha so then he's going to kill his ex-partner also as soon as he, like, walks into his lair? Yeah. Is that why? That makes no sense, that explanation. It's the explanation for why he's alive. And it makes no sense. The whole force has you pegged as the prime suspect. Now you tell them where to find me. Wake starts in an hour. I'll pass that along. What day is it? Yeah, how long Did he was die he yesterday? Or, like, what? Also, but they never he has no, it. He has no face facial bruises and yeah. he has no we never see him like act like he's been injured so i don't know how he got so injured especially like that he's been passed out overnight i feel like there should be a lot of head bruising <laughs> yeah but you would also think that they would be like oh you were out for this long yeah they never said that which makes you think it was yesterday because i would also think that honestly it would probably take two or three days to arrange Awake. Oh, at least. But when it's a murder investigation, maybe longer. Yeah. I don't know. Because they probably, like, need the body. It did seem weird. Because it kind of felt like he just woke up later that afternoon. And they're like, oh, there's a wake. We gotta go. Absolutely. His wife was ready for this. Um, We have the cheese plate. Yeah, Nelly Furtado. I know. She was ready for that. so weird. Married to that guy. That was insane. she was only in it for the one line, really. Like. (sighs) Yeah, she had one scene. Yeah. And I was like, I'm sorry, I don't believe that Nelly Furtado is married to Donald Logue. Sorry. Having seen both of their faces? I don't think so. But before they go to the wake, uh, you know, he's like, well, you can't go like that. You can't go in those clothes that you came in with. So he takes him to his workplace where he's the head of security for Acer, a medical company. And his wife used to work there. She was kind of high up, I guess, it seems like. Because the CEO, the owner of the company walks by and is like, oh, Max? Max Payne? Oh my gosh, if you ever need anything, blah, blah, blah. She was such a, your wife was such a bright light shining here. And what is so weird is that it makes it, I was, I saw that scene and I was like, oh, I guess his wife has only been dead for like a couple months. His wife's been dead for three years. I know, right? Because then they get upstairs to the guy's office, so he's the head of security. They go upstairs to his office to get the change of clothes and he's like, Oh, they set up a scholarship in your wife's name. They asked me what it should be for, and I told them art. She likes it art, took right? Three years to set up the scholarship. Not only that, but they didn't tell her husband about it or ask him what it should be about. Yeah, they're like, We're, I was so close to your family. They thought I was family. Like, uh, they should know whether you're related or not. Also, you should have said, I'm not family. Ask her husband, you freaks. Yeah. And to be fair, she went into pharmaceuticals. She probably would enjoy a science scholarship. Seriously, that's bizarre. Like, do it for girls in STEM. But yeah, I'm like, three years to set up a scholarship. Like, you guys are really dropping the ball on this. Because also by this point, three years later, people don't really care. No. They no. don't remember it as They're much. They're going to be like, oh, I remember that. Yeah, that was really sad. Yeah. So they go to the wake and he gets slapped by Nelly Furtado and like, all he needed was one word from you and you could have taken away his pain and blah, blah, blah. Are you happy now? Go away. Well, yeah. Like, I'm sorry your husband was doing his job. 
Yeah. I mean, I... Because he was just doing his job. He wasn't even doing anything abnormally dangerous. No, and I get being mad about the way that Max treated him and then, like, shows up at his wake, like, oh, now I'm sorry. When, like, he wouldn't talk to him before. That's for sure something where it's like, get get your life right, Max Payne. But, yeah, he didn't die because of that. Yeah. It's not like he's like, oh, I need to single-handedly try and do this thing to prove myself to Max. Like... He was just doing his normal job. So Ludacris rolls up from internal affairs and he takes Max in. Like at the wake. The guy leaves the wake. Oh, yeah. And Ludacris is like, as he's walking in. And I'm like, wow, sensitivity 101. Oh, love uh, it. Ludacris does not need your sensitivity training. Thank you very much. I'm like, I also, I'm glad they knew, like, oh, he'll be at the wake. Which is weird because one of his big hits was Southern Hospitality. But they're in the Northeast now, baby, and nobody's <laughs> hospitable there. Yeah. All right. So he's go they're, they're showing crime scene photos again. This is not the first death crime scene photo we've seen. We've also, uh, of his partner, we've also seen the one officially from his wife. Why does everyone look so stupid in their photos? They're all like bug-eyed, like they're <laughs> shocked that they're dead. And they're like, whoa. <laughs> The other thing I noticed is everything else in his office is like clearly from 1983, <laughs> except for the very visible Apple computer. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Had to get that cash somehow. He's asking him a bunch of questions and, you know, it's obvious that he thinks that he had something to do with this. But Max, kind of, he, he won't really talk to him and he's like, whatever, like, you're not going to arrest me. Do your investigation. I don't care. And he walks away. As he's walking away, he walks straight through to his partner's old office. Everybody is freaking out about it. Yeah. That felt really weird to me. He's walking down this long room full of desks and everyone's like, hey, hey, what's what's going on? And one guy really flips out over it. <laughs> he's like, hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing here? And then he goes into his old office and like, People instantly start breaking the door down. Yeah. Which felt so strange to me. Yeah, it's like the office memo went around of like, keep Max away from this. Well, if you wanted that, why didn't you pick up any of his papers, by the way? Well, what I don't understand is why Max hasn't been suspended yet. There's just been a lot of suspicious stuff going on around him. You'd think they'd be like, you know what? Take a few days. Don't come into the office. We'll let you know. Well, yeah. And if internal affairs rolled up yeah. to a funeral to get you. Yeah. I mean, you would think. But I'm sure he's suspended now because he goes through his stuff as the door is being broken down, finds the photo with the circle on it, and he's like, oh, I see the connection now. And he goes out through the window. I know leaves through the window letting in lots of real snow i know so realistic the fake snow in this movie was really bad (laughs) so he's walking down the street at night and we see these three very russian looking men kind of eyeing him from across the street as they're walking did you notice the double footage no Yeah, he looks away and then he looks back again and it's the latter part of the same footage. And I reround it and like they even walk by the same doorway. Like it's it's so bad. There was an editor that was like, guys, I can't extend this shot. Like, no, we just need the extra time. Like, I'm (laughs) telling you, no one will notice. It's fine. Seriously, they were wrong. They did it, I guess, because it's supposed to be a fake out because he he backs into a doorway at like a recess and like he thinks that it's going to be them coming after him. But instead, Mila is 
behind the thing and she comes out with a big gun that I'm like, do you just walk around with that? Yeah. And also a baton, an extendable baton that she starts (laughs) beating him up with. She's convinced that he killed her sister. Um, and he sl- she slaps him across the face with the baton, and the music kind of does this sting. You need to talk about my sister. And then I was expecting him to be knocked out and taken to a secondary location. So when he then pops back up, I was like, oh, wait. That was just a general slap across the face. And then she does yeah. it again with the same musical sting that's kind of that build <laughs> to cut to black. Yeah. But then, nope, he pops back up again. And I'm like, what this makes me think is that she's trying to knock him out and she just keeps not being able to. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was weird. Like, she came there to kill him because she was like, don't say her name. Blah, blah, blah. You killed her. And then it's very easy to convince her that he didn't. Oh, yeah. He's just like, what? which he makes a fair point. He's like, why would a homicide cop leave their wallet at the scene? Like, doesn't that seem like something I would catch? But I also like that he never makes that point, though, to any of the cops that are asking him about this. Yeah, and the cops never say it. Yeah. Nobody ever thinks of that. So he's like, look, we're after the same people. Owen Green is who we need to find. That's the last person that she talked to because he grabbed the phone records from off of his partner's desk. They go to this old weird building and they find Owen Green. Also, Lupino is there watching them from the stairs. <laughs> so Owen's freaking out on the drug and he's having all of the wing visions and stuff like that. And he is backed up to a window, like floor length window. And he's he's like maybe going to go out of it. And it's like, OK, calm down. Uh, calm down all this stuff and they're like what happened to natasha and he's like oh she got taken up in their wings that's what everybody says when like somebody dies of this drug and then he gets torn out the window by a thing that we don't know what it is so this scene was actually felt kind of weird to me because we see what he sees which is basically that an angel or a winged figure right pulls him out of the window with force so that he flies back much further than he would if he just dropped down. So up to this point, every death that we've seen. And like his body's bent, you know, like he goes out the window butt first. Yeah. So every, up to this point, every death that we've seen can be explained through natural causes, except for this one, which 100% couldn't happen unless something was pulling him out the window and letting him drop. Well, Natasha's death she was like dismembered. I mean, she was everywhere. Right, but that was Lupino. Oh, okay. That's what they're saying. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, because we see Lupino later with the machete. The machetes like his thing. He likes oh. machetes. Yeah, everybody likes machetes in this movie. It's yeah. weird. Okay, well, that was unc- that was never made clear to me. Oh, I I assumed that it was him that killed both the partner and Natasha. I have to say, also, at one point, somebody says. As, as if to demonstrate how serious the situation is to Max. He's like, we've got two bodies in ten body bags. And I'm like, you know you can like just put all the stuff in one. Yeah, though, they'll right? fit. Like, you, you probably shouldn't separate them, actually. You're just increasing the likelihood that they'll go somewhere else. Yeah. Like, that's not how, I don't think that's how that works. Okay, so, yes, you're right, though. This is clearly he didn't jump out the window. Yeah. But Mila Kunis is convinced that he did as we cut to her being like, well, that that that's nothing new. People go crazy for no reason. They jump out windows all the time. 
And that's it. That's all they talk about it. Never, never bring that up again. She brings them to Natasha's tattoo parlor. And they're like, what's this tattoo? And it's not the wing that they have on the arm. It's actually a different one, which I thought was weird that they didn't go for that one to explain it. Mm -hmm. But it was in his book of tattoos. And they were like, what does that mean? And he said... First, though, this is so important that it surpasses anything that actually happens in this scene. Go on. What's the deal with this guy's voice? Valkyries fly over the battlefield, picking out the righteous dead. They reward the people who draw first blood. Oh, he has an insanely deep voice. And he's so tall and thin. And he has a giant nose. Yes. Yeah. I felt like this should be someone famous. And I looked him up and I'm like, oh, no, you're just a Canadian who's well known for your voice. Like he he's in these bit parts that are memorable because of who he is, but he's never done big stuff. <laughs> but he tells them that this tattoo is the Valkyrie and it's for protection. You said people get the tattoo as protection. What are they afraid of? Cut to a scene of Lupino macheteing some guy. <laughs> This was such a weird scene, too. It was I'm bizarre. like, I guess you're just torturing this guy for some reason. Because you're mean, bored. You have no one to watch from rooftops right now. <laughs> so you're just like, oh, let's just torture this guy. rooftop sketch had a gap. Yeah. So, yeah. It was a bizarre, it was a really bizarre scene. Actually, the way that it was done and the way that they filmed it, it was bizarre. Mm-hmm. Mila needs another lead, so she goes to see this guy, Lincoln. And his bodyguards should be fired because they take her in to see him. And when she's standing in front of them, they're like, and now we'll take your giant gun. Mm-hmm. Could have already used it on, on him. But uh, just now we'll take your gun. Thank you. Yeah. So he says that the tattoo marks them. And what does that mean? The devil is building his army. Does this devil have a name? Many. The one you are looking for is Lupino. Except that then we see a flashback to Lu- the last seat shot that we saw of Lupino that was like 45 seconds ago. <laughs> and it was like a three second clip. Yeah. I was like, yeah, no, I remember who Lupino is. Right. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Like, I get it. And this character felt weird because we never see him again. Yeah, they just wanted a black guy with an African accent. Yeah. So that felt like they were being used as props. Way to go, guys. Well, also, because they brought up the Valkyrie stuff, I was like, is this like the voodoo stuff? But it's not. It's just some guy. Just some guy. He says that Lupino is at Ragnarok. It's a club somewhere. See if they know anything about a detective, Max Payne. (laughs) Max Payne. What? Max Payne, he's been hunting. Three years of kicking down doors. He's looking for something that God wants to stay hidden. And that's what makes him even more dangerous. Stay away from Max Payne. Like, okay, cool. We get it. He's very cool and whatever, whatever. Yeah. He's hardcore. Totally got that. Right. So I guess while she's doing this, he goes to a self-storage place where all his old stuff is. He doesn't seem to have any stuff in his house anymore. I guess it's all here in boxes that are way too big for what they're holding. (laughs) He opens up like Michelle's office stuff and it's like got three manila folders (laughs) in it and two of them are empty. Yeah. 
It probably had a lot more stuff, but they took everything but the three manila folders. Oh, I guess I didn't think about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, I'm sure actually it was mostly it. That is, yeah, so. Because uh, it's hard to see if something's missing if it's literally a box full of papers. Exactly, yeah. So he is looking through this stuff. He realizes a lot of it is gone, but he also notices that Acer has a wing logo. What? Now is a good time to bring up that Acer was the main pantheon of Norse gods. That was the name for them. Oh, I didn't they know They fought the other pantheon, which was the Vanir. Hmm. And they won. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, like Odin and stuff mm-hmm. is it in the um, Acer. Subtle. Well, it was too subtle for me. <laughs> well, I didn't get it. Subtle. Like, it's not subtle if you're looking into a company. Like, if you're trying to connect the dots, oh, well, yeah, you know. Yeah. So anyway, he goes to talk to the head of security again, BB, and they're at a diner and he's like, you got to give me a name. Some of her stuff was taken. Why would they do that? Blah, blah, blah. Give me a name. And he's like, oh, I don't want to give you a name. Fine, Jason Colvin. We see Max leave and BB's like got his head in his hands at the diner table. And this is all voiceover. It's a phone call to Lieutenant Bravura. Ludicrous. And he's like, Lieutenant, can you can you come meet me? And meet me at my office. I had to talk to you about Max Payne. Still voiceover. Thanks for meeting me in my office. And then we cut to the office scene. And I was like, did you really feel the need to explain to us that the meeting took place because of a phone call? Are you kidding me? Yeah. So many things about this movie. I'm like, did you just like not have anything to put in your movie? Did you... What happened? Because also Ludacris could have easily scheduled a meeting with him independently to be like, I'm investigating Max Payne. You have a relationship with him. I would like to talk to you. Exactly. No. And we needed to explain to us that it was not the case. So he's like, I need to tell you about Max Payne. I need to tell you about his backstory. It's so sad. And I'm like, oh, please. Because he wasn't already a sad, tragic figure we need more info on this. Also, this is so unnecessary. The audience has been seeing this flashback for the entire movie. We already know what happened to his wife and child. Yeah. Ludacris has the file. I know. He's already read. Because he's like, I know you've read the file, but like, you don't get it from that. And I'm like, really? You think he doesn't understand how sad it is that his wife and baby were murdered by someone who was never caught? You think that he's going to maybe miss the subtle nuance of... He's sad and upset. Right? He's like, I can't tell you how beautiful Michelle was. And I'm like, he has photos. I can't tell you how much the baby looked like him. And I was like, all babies look like their dads at first. None of this is, like, information that's helpful. Like, are you just... So are we implying that Max wouldn't have loved his baby as much if he didn't look like him? Like, how does this affect the situation? Or that, like, that makes it sadder? Yeah. Or, like, what you're basically saying is you can't know what it was like because you didn't know them. That's true of all things. <laughs> yeah, still true. <laughs> and honestly, like, as a cop, you should understand that it's important that you don't get that close to stuff. Right. You will go crazy if you're that close to all the horrible crimes you see. Yeah. The way that he describes this is ridiculous, by the way. It started out as a robbery. That day, though, who knows? Guess they were out for something more. So it didn't start as a robbery? Is that what you're saying? Like, like they got in there and then all of a sudden, like, they got a phone call and got hired to do something else? Like, I don't... 
<laughs> what are you saying right now? Also, how would he know if, yeah. if they didn't actually steal anything because they were out for something more? How did they know it started as started a robbery? Started as a robbery? I mean, it's ridiculous that he would say that. Right. Started as a robbery, <laughs> but it turned into a double murder and nothing else. Nothing was stolen. As, as Max is running up the stairs in the flashback and he's like, oh, Michelle, this one guy comes out with a machete with no blood on it. And we see clearly it was not used on his wife later. And he's like, don't worry. Don't worry. The angels burn within them now. <laughs> Which even in the context of everything we learn later doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, okay. So we cut to a rainy alley. So much stuff happens in alleys in this movie. <laughs> and he, this guy's standing in the rain with no umbrella. And he, a limo pulls up and he gives a file on Lupino to the head of the company. Nicole Horn, I think is her name. Which I like that they've arranged this to happen outside the office. He could have easily given her a file in the office. Yeah, she's the head of the company. Like, nobody's going to intercept it and have it be a problem. And so he look, she looks at it and she's like, is this a threat? And he's like, no, no, I just wanted you to be aware. And I'm like, really? That's why you arranged for a handoff in a rainy alley? Like, because yeah. it was no big deal? <laughs> okay, you're a great liar. She's like, just take care of it. Which my question is, what is he supposed to do? He's a middle manager. I mean. Why wouldn't she call? Tell someone about it. (laughs) Tell someone else that's not her, maybe. She's putting (laughs) a lot of trust in this guy. Exactly. So he he goes to his, Jason goes to his office later. Mm -hmm. Who, by the way, is Chris O'Donnell, I want to say it's his name. Max Payne is waiting in his office. And he wants and he was like, hey, uh, I just want to know what my wife was working on and like the projects and stuff. And he's like, oh, well, I, I wouldn't really know from that far back. And he's like, oh, do you need to make make a call about it to like figure it out? And he's like, yeah, that'd be great. And then he picks up his phone and is like, Jessica or whatever his secretary's name is. And then Max Payne rips the phone out of the wall and throws it across the room and then starts beating him up for info. Yep. And I'm like, okay, so you just let the secretary know that there was a problem. That is that is the smartest thing to do, really. He's so bad at his job. Yeah. Even as a rogue agent, even as a loose cannon, he's terrible. Yeah. He gets some info out of Jason. So this was a military project. And the drug was to make people more aggressive in battle, but it only worked on 1% of people the rest had all these hallucinations and started talking gibberish and there were all horrible side effects and it was super addictive to everybody. Um, so my question is, how did it make it to human testing with these kind of results? Yeah, with like 1% of rats doing great on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's unclear. Also super addictive. Like, yeah. <laughs> Love the, it. It's and amazing. And the other rats are flipping out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh, but these ones are fine. Yeah. But he's like, you have to get me out of here. Like, I will tell you everything, but you have to get me out of here and take this file because everything is in it. But I want to go with you and we need to leave right now. So at this point, the secretary has called Bibi and is like, you need to send your guys up here. Jason's in trouble. They send what looks like a SWAT team. They're clearly private because <laughs> Lieutenant Rivera is waiting downstairs. Gonna have another meeting with somebody or something? I don't know why he would be there again. Just hanging out. Yeah. He's down there in a fedora, like Ludacris probably does every day. And he's on the phone with 
dispatch? He's like, hey, did somebody call something in? And they were like, uh, no. And he's like, do you, they're like, do you need someone? And he's like, yeah, we have machine guns in Midtown. Get someone up here. Which, maybe that's why they had him wearing the fedoras. (laughs) (laughs) We got machine guns in Midtown. Send Smitty up here. (laughs) Jason gets shot immediately. Yes. First thing. And then they try to shoot Max Payne. They somehow fail. Max Payne takes a long time to react to Jason getting shot. So I don't know. He what, just what, stares at it. All him. you had to do was pull the trigger twice, guys. Like, it wasn't rocket science. He was standing right behind him. If you hit Jason, you were going to hit Max. Like, Yeah, well, with those guns, for sure. Yeah. So they f- don't get him at all, and they should all lose their jobs, and even Ludacris agrees. Yes. The next thing we see is Mila Kunis going into somewhere. It doesn't look like a house, but there is a TV there. I don't know where we are. But it was broken into, so she gets her, you know, giant gun out that she always has. She's like, okay, let's figure this out. Well, that's Max Payne sitting there watching TV. He's watching a promo video for Valkyr. That's what the drug is called. And it includes an interview with Lupino. In fact, that is all it includes. Yeah, they had some little... It's a promo and an interview. Exactly. That's what it is. And Max is like, this is the guy that killed my wife. And I'm like, I guess... Just, I've heard his name. He, it must be him. Yeah. He was the only person given this drug, apparently, according to the interviews. The only one they, they wanted to interview about it. He's talking about how it takes all your fear away. And he's like, and it's so great because when you're out there fighting terrorists and all this stuff, like, it's great. And you just feel like some peace because, like, a peace around you. Like, angels are watching out for you and, like, nothing can hurt you and you feel invincible. So he's like, okay, well, I'm going to Ragnarok to find this guy. And we got to Club Ragnarok, where we see the most dramatic, drug-taking, shirtless snow scene (laughs) ever, with a very loud yell from Lumpino. Yes. It's so dramatic. Uh, Max guns his way into the building, and it's a production site for Valkyr. Thankfully, Lupino has managed to reverse engineer this drug. Is that what we're supposed to believe? I guess. Like, it's bizarre. That doesn't seem that suspicious over the fact that this drug is. There's no reaction to like all of like, oh, this is where it is. Be like, I would have questions. Also, why does everybody keep calling Ragnarok a club? (laughs) If like it's really just a production drug site. A bunch of guys probably get in a ton of trouble, or would if they weren't dead after this, for shooting up a lot of the drug in the production equipment. Oh, yeah. There was Windex everywhere. (laughs) I know. And this is where we see the first slow motion action scene. And yeah. this is what the video game was famous for. Yeah. Their slow motion action sequences. So they had to put that stuff in there. Lupino drops from the ceiling with a big blade and is super grossly dripping with sweat. Oh, I know. I just imagine that there was like a production assistant whose job it was to just like pour water on him before Seriously, just shoot. like spray him down everywhere. Yeah. And so he's up close with Max, who's blocking his blade, and he's like, God, you're so blessed. <laughs> the angels are not done with you yet! And then he stabs him with a machete, though? Like, he goes to stab him with a machete? I know. He, and I'm like, he stands up. Wait, what do you mean? Because you just implied that you somehow thought he should remain alive, and yet now you're going to kill him? Unclear. Unclear. The point is... He is shot, like you said. Um, He stands up and, like, with both hands over his head, he's going to kill Max Payne. But then he gets shot by BB. Bo Bridges. Oh, wait. 
Is that why they named it that? I really hope so. <laughs> it was probably the character name in the video game. I'm sure, but I love that it still <laughs> works. So he's going along, you know, they're leaving, and then he gets brained from behind by BB's right-hand man, who we've seen, like, twice before. He, he wakes up, he's in handcuffs, and they're leading him down to the river. They're going to wait him down and toss him in the river. Yeah. Shocker, the guy that I was suspicious of throughout this entire movie, because it was so poorly disguised, turned out to be the big bad. <laughs> I know, right? So he's monologuing the heck out of, out of this, and he's, like, explaining why... You know, he had to kill Michelle. He didn't want to, but he had to. Sorry, Max. And honestly, he's sad that he learned so late in life that murder solves your problems. He's, well, yeah, he's like, man, all my problems were solved when I killed your wife with my bare hands. And he's like, and then I solved my second problem, the baby. And I'm like, nope, that wasn't a problem. The baby wasn't a problem. You just killed the baby because you wanted to. Seriously. Like, oh, the kid saw everything. He could have snitched and five years yeah and he's like and from then that was the first problem i ever solved for myself and now i solve all my problems and then they like they put the drug on the street and so like the company's behind all of this well yeah i think right now it's supposed to be implied that he's um kind of the one that's spearheading this yeah i think so which is how of course he got the formula but (laughs) max beats them to it and jumps in the river himself when he breaks away and now we're back to where we started. This took forever. I thought this bit was going to be at the end of the first act, and it wasn't. This took so long. Yeah, I know. So anyway, he's got a vision of, like, walking into a room, and it's sunny, and his wife and his baby are there. And then we hear her saying, not yet, Max. So he takes that to heart and runs with it. So yep. he jumps out of the river and drinks the drug. He has the drug in his pocket because the plan was, I guess... Okay, so now this is the other weird thing. Why wouldn't they have shot him and left them for... Like, they had a contingency plan for the body to be found. They were like, it's just going to be that you were a druggie. So we're putting this drug in your pocket. And I'm like, you don't think that the drug's going to come out of his pocket before they find that body? Also, now you're telling the entire police force about this crazy weird drug. That nobody knows about. Why would you do that? Yeah. First plot hole, though, so I'll let it go. (laughs) So he drinks it because he's got nothing to lose. You know, hopefully he's in the 1%. And as soon as he drinks it, we see embers falling from the sky and there's lights in the heavens and the angels are everywhere. To be fair, though, I still can't tell if this puts him in the 1% or not, because everyone we've seen so far has had hallucinations, including Lupino, who does talk about the angels. But not usually like that. They don't have that magnitude of hallucinations. They, like, see them in the corner of their eyes, then they get killed. So, I don't know. So everyone else is in the 1% and Max is in the 99? No, 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 no. I mean that maybe his hallucinations are, like, he's seeing all of it, not just, like, out of the corner of his eye. You know what I mean? that's more helpful somehow? I, I don't know. It didn't seem helpful at all. It seemed to distract him more than anything else. Yeah, I feel like it would be very distracting. It was. Several times he got very distracted on his quest. We cut back to the police station and Bravura is investigating the entire unit. And he's called in the FBI. So Bibi has a mole in the unit. And that person calls him. And so Bibi's like, well, we got to get out of here. They've called in the FBI. They're going to be asking questions. So we're going to flee and that's going to make us look innocent. Max, he's out of his mind on Valkyr. And he's shooting up everything. 
and just hallucinating all over the place. So they, BB and his buddy go into the elevator and he calls the CEO just so we know this goes all the way to the top. Yeah. He's like, oh, Max Payne is still alive and blah, blah, blah. And we have problems. And she's like, um, okay, take care of it. And then hangs up and then like won't answer his calls after that. <laughs> yeah. She's a real problem solver. I can see why she got to where she is. Yeah. So Nicole Horn was actually the main villain in the video game. Oh. And she was barely in this movie at all. They're, they're going through the building. He's killing guards and he's constantly having these hallucinations of like the whole city outside the window looks like it's this fiery whatever and the angels are everywhere. Probably never been this high before. <laughs> to the point that Mila has to shoot a guy for him. Oh, what's up? She came to help. Yeah. She said she wouldn't, but she did. True love. Yeah, or something. <laughs> Or also her sister was killed, so yeah, I mean, on her part, too. Yeah, seriously. I was like, why did you forget that your sister was also yeah. killed by this plot? I was surprised she didn't bring that up. He's freaking out. Like, he's kneeling and he's, like, like twitching a bit. And she shoves a gun into his hand and is like, finish it. And I'm like, Safest I would not give a gun to him <laughs> in this state. Seriously. Max finally finds BB on the roof. He's at the helipad. It's unbelievable, all that snow. And watch it end up being a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. And then he shoots him. Yeah. And then the sun comes out. It's a metaphor, Rose. Oh. Yeah. But they I didn't just teach think you. about it a bit more. Yeah, they didn't teach you that in film school. Yeah. Rose, you went to a really bad film school. I did. <laughs> what is this thing here? Exactly. This thing with the glass on the end of it. Why did they show that? leaf falling when that guy died yeah i don't get it okay so then we see his wife and his baby again and he says i don't know about heaven but i do believe in angels all of the angels up to the point this point in the movie have been the world's creepiest angels yeah and it's unclear that they've ever helped a person a day in their lives they mostly seem to be killing people yeah and you know it's supposed to be i guess a slightly happy ending it ends with him at gunpoint. Yeah. The entire police force is up there and there's like 10 guns trained on him. Yeah. And he's getting arrested. And now he's an addict. So, happy ending? Well, the post-credit scene seems to imply that he is not actually an addict at all. Okay. And he's free to wander about the city at will, go to bars, and meet up with suspicious Russians because he meets up with Mona who gives him a picture of the CEO for the sequel setup. Oh, which we didn't see because this movie was terrible. Yep. It was never explained if the angels were real. I don't understand how we're supposed to believe that everyone who took this drug had the exact same hallucinations. Like, they only ever hallucinated angels. Well, that's the thing. There was, like, a real implication that this stuff was real. Right. And it just, like, tapped you into Norse mythology, which is also real. I mean, the implications are huge. But clearly, no one in the movie that talks about it in a knowledgeable way, like any of the pharmaceutical people or whatever, act like it's real. This is supposed to be junky hallucinations from their perspective. Yeah, but, like... So it was weird that everyone was supposed to be hallucinating the same thing? Yeah, there's not a drug that does that. You can have common hallucinations, but not like everybody sees angels and then they die. Yeah. So many things in this movie never got explained, which, you know what? That's fine. Yeah. (laughs) 
But just the movie making itself was bad. And it was surprisingly boring, you know? Mm-hmm. It really was. You kind of feel like they took so many plot points out of the video game that they didn't have much left in the movie. So in a sense, they simplified it and streamlined it. But, like, I cared so little about Max Payne that it left right. me with nothing. Exactly. So this movie made, actually, a profit. That's so weird to me. How? Its budget was $35 million, and it made $85.8 million. That's insane. And I think that says something for the quality of the video game. Yeah. Because I don't know why else people would be seeing it after the terrible reviews it got. Well, that's true. And, you know, honestly, like, the people that really, really liked the video game enough to go see a movie probably would have been really drawn in by Mila Kunis and Mark Wahlberg. I can't believe that. But if that's true, why didn't they make a sequel? I think because it didn't make enough money that people thought they'd come, or that the studio thought people would come back for a sequel. Well, they were right. (laughs) Yeah. And the marketing leaned so much on the popularity of Sin City, and, you know, it just wasn't, yeah. And I I think that that hurt it a lot. It felt like it was just trying to be a Sin City copy, and it really was in a lot of ways. Because but it was well, way but, worse at it. Right, because even it wasn't as stylish as Sin City. I mean, sty- yeah. Sin City is not a perfect movie in a lot of ways. Right. But it has a, a huge sense of style that carries you through a lot of the weaker points in it. And exactly. this didn't have that. No. Those turtlenecks don't get you very far. Gosh, the turtlenecks were tragic. I don't know who <laughs> chose the turtlenecks. Well, it's cold and he can't be wearing a scarf. <laughs> that would look even worse. So for our next movie, we'll take a break from blood and fight scenes and all that. But for some... not from Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> for some lighthearted singing. With Tangled. True love. Yeah. Uh, Mark Wahlberg's not in it, by the way. Yeah. If you don't watch it and think that that's going to be true. He's not Mother Gothel? Oh, I thought he was Mandy Moore's part. He was, oh, he was Tangled. It. Is that the... the yeah, her name the, is Tangled. The main character's name? Yeah. Okay, I thought so. Tangled. <laughs> her parents didn't love her very much. Oh, is that the plot of the movie? Yeah. Uh, don't spoil it. I, I think it is. That's what's next on More is More. For more of our podcast, go to moreismorepodcast.com. To contact us, write us at moreismorepodcast at gmail.com.